And we're looking for Dr. Larry Waltower. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, I am sitting here anticipating that Dr. Larry Waltower is going to be joining us. I see that he is on the line, but I am not hearing his voice right now. Okay, I'm, I'm prayerful that he'll be joining us as well. This is uh, Chad Dion Lasseter this evening. Amen. Amen. God bless you, sir. And uh, hopefully and prayerfully we should be hearing our friend Dr. Larry Waltower here on the GMAP Broadcast Network, gmap1.com. That's G-M-A-P, the number one, dot com. I do see that he is on the line, but I, again, uh, am not hearing his voice this evening. So, Dr. Larry Waltower, if you are there, would you please speak up? See if I can get him on the phone here and find out why, in fact, he uh, is not being heard this evening here on the GMAP Broadcast Network. Of course, we will be presenting to you Suffering in Silence here on the GMAP Broadcast Network. And again, for whatever reason, I am not hearing Dr. Larry Waltower. I know that he is on the line. Let me see if I can call him real quick and find out why we are not hearing his voice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing uh, uh, your guest who is on the line, one of your guests this evening, but I see that you're on, but I am not hearing your voice at all. Yeah, we I, I actually have you on uh, on our line, but I'm not hearing your voice on the air. Okay. All right. We're going to patiently wait. And of course, uh, we uh, will uh, patiently wait on the arrival of Dr. Larry Waltower here on the GMAP Broadcast Network, gmap1.com. And of course, uh, we are preparing ourselves for an awesome program on tonight, uh, Suffering in Silence, which airs every Thursday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, and of course, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time here on the GMAP Broadcast Network. Uh, I know that we have one of his guests on the line now. Uh, what did you say your name was, young man? Chad Dion Lasseter. I'm the executive director of the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission. Amen. And uh, just a servant of the Most High God. Amen. Well, you know what? Uh, take a few minutes and tell us a little bit about uh, some of the things that God has blessed you with uh, and some of the things that you're currently involved with as you continue to move forward serving our gracious God. Yeah, great question. Um, the first thing that God has blessed me with is salvation uh, through his son, Jesus the Christ. Uh, for me, coming up uh, as a product of the black church, um, I always had a fervor to serve humanity. Mm. I was always attracted to suffering, uh, asking the Socratic question, um, how did we become so well adjusted to injustice? Mm -hmm. uh, I was baptized at the age of 10. Uh, here in Philadelphia, my church is the Triumph Baptist Church. Uh, my pastor and mentor and big brother is none other than Dr. James S. Hall, Jr. 
He's a civil rights icon out of Marion, South Carolina, who integrated the libraries as well as the airports and the bus stations in Greenville, South Carolina with Jackie Robertson. Uh, he served as the mentor of the Reverend Jesse Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that I do in my life is committed to kingdom building. It's uh, I've never had a job in my life. I've always had assignments. I go where the Holy Spirit reveals for me to go. Um, and just like anybody, I have human frailties. Uh, I make errors. Uh, but the grace of just, you know, the blood of Jesus Christ allows me an opportunity to fall on my face on that threshing floor and ask for forgiveness. Uh, mm. Growing up in the church, I also sang in the youth choir. I was probably the tallest person. I'm 6'6 six, six now. In ninth grade, I was 6'6". Six, six. Mm, wow. <laughs> so you can imagine I, I had discoordination. They would go left. I would go right. They would clap left. I would clap right. <laughs> um, but uh, in the capacity where I'm at now with this particular assignment as the executive director of the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission, mm-hmm. we're the top civil rights enforcing agency in the Commonwealth. Um, we have regional offices in Philadelphia and uh, Harrisburg, as well as in Pittsburgh. And so any form of unlawful discrimination is filed with us. Uh, we have uh, EEOC contracts with regards to unemployment. We have a HUD contract with regards to housing. But it's not just that. It's, you know, intellectual disability discrimination. It's mm-hmm. discrimination against people because of, you know, guide dogs. Uh, we see the racism in the schools. We see the racism in the E-suites, sexual harassment. And so this is a pivotal time for us where people of faith are on the side of, you know, fighting for forms of discrimination for all of humanity. So when our great Reverend and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stated, you know, the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice, uh, what he was actually talking about is that we're all God's children. Amen. Uh, and so I lead from a perspective of black liberation theology, that God is no doubt on the side of the oppressed, not on just the side of black people, but on the side of the oppressed. Yes. And so I'm just really excited to be on this uh, uh, radio show this evening with my dear brother. Hope that he can call in. I met him about five months ago. I've only been in the capacity of this position for a year now. Uh, but he was the person that, when I came to York, PA, opened up his arms, uh, embraced me, and uh, he has a compelling story. So I'm just really praying right now, even while I'm on the phone talking to you, that the line will open up so that his voice can emerge because he has a compelling story uh, and there's a story that he has shared. And I'm just hoping that some individuals who will be calling into the station, personal friends of mine who have suffered with depression, in the silence of the uh, the black church, mm-hmm. where we're oftentimes told, you know, you don't need to go to the doctor. You better get on your knees and, and take it to Jesus. And, and that's a good recipe. Uh, and I'm not a proponent of medicine, but if you have bipolar, I want you to take your Depakote if the doctor prescribed you Depakote. Right. It's similar right. to having type 1 or type 2 diabetes. You can pray it away, uh, but your numbers are still going to go up and your sugar is still going to be whack. So you take that metformin, take that rosy glitazone, you know, and also take your blood sugar uh, with your insulin. Amen. So uh, that's just me. You know, I'm just a, I'm a lover of humanity um, and a person that just loves God and a person that is just willing to not shove my faith down anybody's, you know, throat or anything like that. But right. for people just to see the light that's in me, I'm reminded also of Psalms 40 verses one through three. Mm-hmm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. 
He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, Mm. a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Amen. 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 Wait. I am here, Dr. Waltower. I am hearing you on my cell phone, but I am not hearing you live on the air. Uh, We are here uh, on the GMAP Broadcast Network. Uh, I'm going to hope and pray. Can you call in from your cell phone with that same number? Can you do that for me? Okay, I'm going to hang up with you now. Again, we want to take this opportunity to uh, welcome each and every one of you here to the GMAP Broadcast Network, GMAP1.com. And, of course, we are honored, privileged, and blessed Conference uh, unmuted. to have each and every one of you join us here on tonight. Of course, we are awaiting the arrival for some odd reason. The devil always tries to get busy with this technology when we are in for a treat, when we are doing what we are supposed to do, and that's glorifying God through our trials and tribulations, through our rough times, our tough times, our left turns, our downfalls, our setbacks. We want to continue to take our two steps and give God the glory. Suffering in Silence is a very, very, very unique uh, uh, program. It's a very unique title. And uh, just to share a little bit with you all uh, here tonight, uh, I myself have been one who have sat in the pulpit week after week, month after month, year after year, not really sharing what it is that I was feeling. I was suffering. I was going through some trying times. I, I was battling the disease. I was, I was depressed and didn't know what to do. I literally, one week, sir, I, I really sat in the pulpit preaching the word of God, contemplating taking my own life. My God, my God. And today, uh, I am here to tell you that there is a way out. God can and will make a way out of no way if you invite him into your situation and allow him to be in control here via the GMAP Broadcast Network. We thank God for the presence of you. We thank God for the presence of each and every viewer and listener that we have from around the world. We are currently being heard in over 160 plus countries. We're also being heard on 11 network platforms simultaneously as we continue to broadcast and reach out to people with this awesome ministry in every corner of the world. As we continue to wait on the arrival of Dr. Larry Waltower, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be back and we will touch Hello, base. Kevin. Oh, there he is. Dr. Waltower, how are you, man? Hey, Doc, how you doing, man? Man, if you have to ask me, I must be slipping. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this technology, man, but we're here. We've been here from day one. Thank you so much, Kevin, for stepping in. I got a guest in my studio here at the office. Uh, we have uh, the minister, Timothy Griffith um, of uh, Miami, Florida. He's associate minister at the Holwell Baptist Church. He's been traveling. Uh, and he came by way of York, Pennsylvania. He's going to be joining us on tonight. I know, Chad, I heard your voice, heard your testimony. Thank you so much. Uh, we're still trying to work through the through the, uh, through the irons here, but we are here. We are here. To those who are listening, uh, this is Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthour, hanging out tonight with my brother from another mother, the one, the only, our executive producer, the Reverend Kevin Strada. Doc, how things in Chi-Town? Man, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful today, man. I won't complain. I can't complain. I don't even have a reason to complain. God has and continues to bless me unconditionally, and I give him all the glory, all the honor, and, of course, 
all the praise. God bless you, man. Amen. Doc, I love you, man. Love you in the Lord, Doc. We got a great, great lineup tonight. Uh, Chad, are you still there? I'm here, my good brother. I'm glad that you're here. Hey, on. man. Yeah. How you doing, Doc? Hey, man, I'm blessed, man. God provided traveling grace and got me back in from Harrisburg to Philadelphia, and I'm on in my den and just ready to go, man. Thank you for being just so gracious, man, with that brotherly love to uh, extend an invite for me to be on this amazing platform this evening. Man, we are honored to have your voice. I got someone in, in, in the office, in the studio here with me. I'm going to uh, let him speak to our listening audience. For those who are listening, this is Suffering in Silence. I am your host, Dr. Larry Walthire. Uh, and this platform comes from the background of a book that we wrote by that title, Suffering in Silence, The Journey to Surviving Pulpit Depression. And we're going to deal with depression tonight uh, in three areas. Uh, I will be talking about the personal aspect of it. Uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Lassiter will be talking about uh, the political aspect of it in terms of social justice and some of the things that we're seeing systemic that leads to hopelessness, despair, and depression. And then our guest in the studio with me, uh, Reverend Timothy Griffith, he is health and consciousness. And he's going to talk about uh, how we can eat right, uh, how our health and what we eat does uh, have an impact on uh, how we think and, and how we function. And so uh, we are very excited tonight to have this conversation. Uh, Dr. Griffith, uh, say hello to our audience. Hey, it's good to be here tonight uh, with you, Dr. Uh, Larry Walt. It is your hour. And uh, <laughs> and all of the other guests and everybody else that's listening around the country and around the world. Uh, we are excited about being here tonight and being able to share as it pertains to health and wellness and uh, eating because we do believe that once we eat right, uh, we'll live right, and once we live right, we'll do right, and once we do right, we can serve our God right. So it's a blessing to be here, my brother, and uh, when you get ready for me, I'm standing by and ready to go. Uh, again, this is uh, Minister Tim Griffith from uh, Miami, Florida, and uh, also I'm the president and CEO of TLG Fashions. Thank you, Dr. Walter. Doctor, thank you so much, man. It's so wonderful to have you all the way from Miami, Florida, live and in person right here in our uh, studio. And we're just so grateful tonight. Uh, Chad, are you still there? I'm still here. Hey, Doc, listen, man, tell us a little bit about the political ramifications of depression. I know we've talked about so, so many social injustices that's going on in our community and across this country that has led to people feeling hopeless, uh, just uh, in despair, in depression. We've walked the community. We've knocked on doors. Uh, yeah. We've had uh, town hall meetings. We've had forums. And we, we hear the voice of the people. And, and Doc, people are living in hopelessness and despair. And I would like for you to talk a little bit about the political aspects of what's happening in, in, in Pennsylvania across this country uh, that's precipitating this, this disease called depression. Definitely, definitely. The disease called depression intersects with the disease within the democracy, which is racism and white supremacy. And so from a historical standpoint, all of our great leaders on every side of the color line, our Jewish colleagues, our African-American leaders, uh, in context, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, towards the tail end of his life, suffered from a form of depression. He would hang out at a pool hall. He would smoke a cigarette. He would drink whiskey. The movement was just so big, right? And when we're talking about depression and context, we're talking about two forms of coping, maladaptive forms of coping 
adaptive forms of coping. So for men of faith, maybe an adaptive form of coping is we read, we pray, we journal, we go to the gym. But then there are the maladaptive forms of coping, even for Christian men and women and others. And that maladaptive may uh, manifest itself with shutting down, uh, maybe maladaptively coping with drinking, um, you know, uh, all types of things that are, are not conducive to the body of who we are in Christ. When you look at the political context, it's twofold. You okay. mentioned the despair and the hopelessness and also what Dr. Cornell West calls nihilism, the burdensome, uh, the burdens and the troublesome ways that we try to interact in society where on one extreme you have state violence, right? Mm. Killing okay. black and brown people with impunity. Then what you have is the systemic and structural inequality, which is the institutional racism, which is prejudice plus power, which gives us institutional racism. I went to school. I did all the things. I have no record. I applied for the job. I didn't get it. My white counterpart, though, he has a record. He applies for the job. He gets his job. My Hispanic counterpart, he has to change his name from uh, uh, Jose Rivera to John Edwards to, in fact, just get an interview. And so the political landscape is you see the oligarchs and the politocrats who are getting the money on Wall Street, and then we're not even talking about a middle class shrinking. We're really fundamentally and foundationally and spiritually talking about a permanent underclass or what Derek Bell calls the faces in the bottom of the well. And so it takes its toll on the individuals who are experiencing it every day, the glares, the stares, not just the mere fact that you're being called the N-word, but the structures that lock you out and gatekeep. Then there's the challenge that those of us who are on the call and the viewing audience around the world who engage in this work, we live it. So there's a vicarious traumatization where we suffer from depression because the weight of society, the weight of the world is on our shoulders. On one extreme, we live the burden of what James Baldwin calls we're in the black body. And then we're out here trying to help navigate people through the minefields of the racism. And so we have to also check in with ourselves on an emotional level as well. And so the political landscape is one in which who's bearing the truth? Who has an wow. ethical ambition? Where's the moral and spiritual compass and imperative where we don't know who's telling the truth? And then when you look at the black church, it's almost like I bling because I'm happy. I bling because I'm free. We're living in this bling bling era. Not all churches, not all black churches don't want to generalize or stereotype, but oftentimes our preachers are doubling as politicians with the same kind of game that politicians have, not operating so me, in faith, maintaining status quo. So let me, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, wonderful. I'm on. I'm on. I'm on with the main uh, microphone now. Um, so let me ask you, in terms of what you're saying in, in, the, uh, in the political aspect of depression and hopelessness and despair, uh, you mentioned about it being systemic. And, and then uh, this issue has really been taboo in uh, many of our churches um, where we don't really advocate that we can have Christ and a counselor. Uh, that, that, you know, the Word of God tells us in the book of, I think, uh, John, second uh, or third John, that it was God, it is God's uh, will that we prosper and be in good health, even as our soul prosper. And I believe that good health is spiritual health, physical health, and um, um, mental health. So talk about um, how do we, as, as clergy, as, as members of the body of Christ, um, strive to overcome these systemic issues that might lead 
to uh, the depression that we're experiencing on a daily basis? I think that's a great question, Doc. I think we have to have a frank conversation that if you have a, a mental, mental health challenge or intellectual disability, or you're suffering from depression, uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, or wherever, whatever it is, is that we can't look at people in the church as other. I think it's a taboo and a stigma that is pervasive in the black church, but also just in the black community. So in the black church, you may hear a pastor say, you know, you don't need to get on uh, somebody's sofa and lay down. First of all, that's a misnomer. I've been a therapist for 25 years. I've never had a person come into therapy and lay on a couch, right? That doesn't happen. Um, we want people to recognize, like, uh, we take the stigma away by really having a conversation around people suffer from challenges. You, you know, you can lose a loved one. Uh, I remember when a couple of folks that I used to counsel in the black church would say to me, hey, I'm suffering from depression because I'm unemployed, uh, you know, uh, domestic violence, whatever the case may be. And so I think exactly. one of the challenges for me is that we have to have a conversation that just like you have hypertension and type 1 and type 2 diabetes or you're on medication because you have Bell palsy, we look at mental health and somewhere along the line, we kind of stigmatize people. And it's the stigma and the taboo that doesn't allow people to have Christ and a counselor. I think that African-Americans, in my earnest opinion, should have a therapist and should go to therapy at least three times a year because we are a traumatized people who have lived in a society that oftentimes has traumatized us. I myself go to a counselor, and I am a counselor. And I go to my counselor oftentimes just to have a frank conversation about how life is coming along how things are doing, how I'm coping, checking in with myself. And I think that that's what we have to do in the black church. We have to destigmatize de 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 it, and we have to show the strength and, and, and what it is. And I think we have some pastors who are doing that, but for the most part, we kind of look at it from a deficit model and not from a strength-based and spiritual perspective. Are you guys there? I am still here. I am trying to figure out what happened to our friend, Dr. Larry Waltow, once again. And um, we're here. Oh, there oh, they okay. are. It was a blank moment. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> wow. Uh, we're going to get this right. We're having technical difficulties on our end. Um, but again, for those of us who are listening, this is Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Waltow. And we have here in the studio with us, um, uh, Reverend Timothy Griffin, and we want to chime him in on this conversation regarding health and wellness and how we eat and how we think. Uh, Reverend, Reverend uh, Griffith, I know you're vegan, and you've been vegan for quite some time. Talk a little bit about how that's changed your, your life. Uh, well, Dr. Walthaw, that's a uh, great and interesting uh, uh, topic and question that we love to dwell, uh, delve in tonight. And uh, health and wellness has to be something that all of us have to be concerned with. And uh, what I like to look at it, for years we've been taught the standard American diet. 
And if you take that acronym, acronym, the standard American diet, it's sad. And the reason I say it's sad because we have two things we have to look at. We have to look at animal protein uh, versus plant protein. And for years, our moms and our fathers have taught us and grandma and big mom them that you can have all the meat on your plate you want, but you can only have one starch. Now, you can eat all of the animal protein is good. I made a decision a while ago to let it go. I've been vegan now for two years. And I'm talking about my blood level and all of my uh, numbers when I was a carnivore, when I was a meat eater were very high. You're talking about all of your big three come from that, your high blood pressure. You're talking about the diabetes. You're talking about the orthocirrhosis, uh, the collapsing of the veins. All of that comes from when you get a lot of what we call, uh, when you from animal protein, saturated fat. Saturated fat comes from animal protein, but we get fiber from plant-based protein. And that's what our body needs. Our body needs more of the fiber. And I just want to share this real quick with you. Uh, it wasn't until I started doing my research on animal protein versus uh, plant protein that I went to the Word of God. And in Genesis 1, verse 29, God tells us that's our original diet, Pastor Walthour. It was whole food plant-based. It's found right there in Genesis 1, 29. But something interesting happened. In Genesis 3, we see the fall of man. In Genesis chapter 6, we see the flood. So prior to the fall and the flood, God told us to eat Genesis 1, 29, whole food plant-based. But then something happens after the fall, post the fall, and post the flood. In Genesis 9, verse 3, God said, go ahead. I know you're going to eat the chicken. <laughs> I know you're going to eat the, the, the pig. And I know you're going to eat the cow. So go ahead and eat everything. But remember, I told you, even as I told you the grief herb, don't forget that. And when I saw that and began to study those scriptures, Dr. Walthour, and study them out, it showed me what my original diet was. And when I let that meat go and I started eating whole food plant-based, man, my cholesterol levels were regulated. They came down where they need to be at. All, no, no high blood pressure. Didn't have to worry uh -huh. about trying to get on those statins because my cholesterol was off the chain. Mm. I had more energy. I was able to play golf at a whole nother level. You know what I'm saying? And I just want people to know if you can't do it like I did and go cold turkey, then do meatless Mondays. Just curb it some. I do like it was when we was in college. You know, we went to school Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right. Or we went to school Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday. Then just say on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know what? I'm not eating no meat all day. Then in the rest of those days, you may eat some meat. But it'll make a wonder for you. It'll do the body good, and God will bless us for it. Wow. wow. That's some powerful information. Um, Chad, I, I want to talk a little bit about how in the in the inner city areas and and uh, Reverend Griffiths just talked about how we can eat, and many people who live in the inner cities don't have access to healthy yeah. diets because of the systemic issues. Um, how how can we bridge that that gap between the political and the personal? Well, well, first and foremost, I want to say, Reverend Griffin, thank you for just everything that you mentioned because I'm. I'm glad I'm not in the studio with you because I would have to crawl under the desk because wine is on my mind and pork is always on my fork. <laughs> but, uh, but no, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, when we see the rates of morbidity, mortality, uh, high rates of diabetes, when we see the epidemic of gun violence in the inner city, which does not afford young people to go out and, and freely play, what we're talking about is how do we encourage young people to reduce sedentary behavior and increase physical activity. When we're talking about supermarkets not being 
readily available in catchment areas throughout our urban con, um, catchment areas. What we're looking at is mom-and-pop stores. We're looking at high-protein foods. We're looking at the hugs, the Arizona iced teas, and everything that Reverend right. Griffin said are traditional norms. You know, my mom is 78, and she'll say, you know, I like the pig from the Rudy to the Tootie. And it's just like, well, mom, it's, 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 it's not good for you. And she was like, well, our ancestors ate it, but it's like, mom, historically, they gave that to us. And so I think the political uh, has to be something in which we hold our politicians accountable. Uh, one of the things we wow. did in Philadelphia is our church, Trying Baptist Church, we created a supermarket through mm. our mission appeals, through our tithing above and beyond. And what the pastor ended up doing was we put it right in the heart of North Philadelphia, 16th and Wing of Hocken, and we said that nobody from the church, even if your son, your grandson, your daughter, your granddaughter needed a job, the only people that could work there, we weren't, it wasn't a form of discrimination, but we said we wanted the people from the community to work there. But the challenge wow. is a cultural shift. How do you change the, the ethos? Because you still have people in that community that still will go to the corner store and get the bread and get the milk and get the eggs and will get the, uh, the cheese and the butter and will not come to the supermarket. So I think one hmm. of the things is making sure that we educate young people on something called HIPP, H-I-P-P, Health Information Providers and Promoters, where we go in a community with health interventionists that talk to people about the benefits of nutrition, the benefits wow. of everything that Reverend Griffin said. And then for us, from a black church perspective, talk about how our bodies are a temple. And so we need to make sure that we're not putting those things, uh, those chemicals into our system uh, but also there is the economic factor that oftentimes you can feed a family of five at a McDonald's, at a Burger King, yeah. at a at a Wendy's, at a Taco Bell, more so than sitting down. And then we've gotten away from that historical big mama where everybody had to sit at the table and we had to lend pause and we had to not just say, God is great, God is good. Thank you for the food we about to eat. We had to simply just thank God for the food nourishing our body, mind and soul. Now you have someone in the basement, someone's upstairs someone's out on the porch and we're not eating in that communal fill anymore. But the politicians really need to recognize that as you gentrify our communities, because they're going to gentrify them, we, the people and the black church in particular as a beacon of social change and social justice should hold them accountable to simply say, as you gentrify, we need supermarkets in this catchment area as well. Exactly. Wow. That's rich. Uh, I want to, I want to um, chime in here. I believe we have a call in. Uh, Mr. Randy Barnes, is he on the line? Mr. Barnes, are you there? All right, we're going to continue this conversation. Um, Chad just mentioned some issues regarding the economics in terms of what takes place in our urban uh, inner city areas and the lack of opportunity and the lack of uh, access. And I want to change, I want to change gears here um, and just have a casual conversation rather than it being an interview style. I want to, I want to shift gears and we're going to make it conversational. And so we're going to have uh, Reverend Griffith. We're going to have Chad and myself just conversing on the issue of the dynamics between the um, uh, uh, depression from an economic perspective from, from our diets, health, and, and the trauma that, that uh, we as minorities, people of color, have, have experienced systemically down through the years. So to get this conversation off, um, 
uh, Reverend Griffith, you just heard uh, uh, Chad talk about some of the dynamics in the inner city and the lack of uh, access, the lack of economics, and how many times it's easier to feed more for less, and that's part of the trap. Uh, could you give us some 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 uh, some caveats, some keys on how we might be able to do that uh, strategically? Yeah, Dr. Walthall, that's very interesting. And uh, what we have to realize and what we have to understand is that, yeah, it may be convenient to go to the uh, taco hell. It, it may be convenient uh, to go to uh, uh, Murder King. It may be convenient to go to all of those fast food places and we're trying to feed our families and we're trying to get that quick meal. But that's what we're doing. We're getting a quick meal that is doing no type of justice to our bodies. We're doing nothing to the temple, but we're destroying it because we're putting all of those processed foods in our temple and those things are carcinogenic and they're not conducive for us to have a good, healthy life. I give you this right here, and uh, I'll toss it back to you. You think about in terms of everything that we eat and we consume, watch this. It's vegetarian. We eat the cow, but the cow don't eat no meat. He's a vegetarian. We eat the pig. The pig don't eat no meat. He's a vegetarian. We eat the chicken. The chicken don't eat no meat. He's a vegetarian. So we eat all of these things, and we're being carnivores when we're not carnivores. We're herbivores. So from a from an economic stance, we have to put our dollars to good use because watch this. We're going to pay on one of those ends. If we don't get good nutrition and we don't feed ourselves and feed this temple and give this temple electric and give this temple what I call uh, a live food and not giving this temple dead food, we're going to either pay on the front end or we're going to pay on the back end. And the government is only concerned about three things that I'll give you. I'll leave you with this and toss it back. The government is concerned about profits, how much money big meat, big dairy can make, and how much the government can make. They're concerned about profits. They're concerned about prescriptions, how many prescriptions we can put you on, put you on this prescription, and this prescription is going to tell body down and we have to put you on another prescription. And the last thing, Dr. Walthour, they are concerned about is population control. You got to die from something. We need to wake up, America. We need to wake up. We need to shake up, and we need to do better, and we need to really, really treat our bodies well because our body, as the man of God said, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Wow. Prophets, prescription, and population control. This is Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walter, and we're having a candid conversation, uh, my God, with uh, Mr. Chad Lassiter. He's the executive director of the Pennsylvania Human Relations uh, Commission. And we have here in uh, the studio with us the Reverend Timothy Griffith of the um, Hope We All Baptist Church in Pompano Beach, Florida. Uh, You've mentioned uh, government, and I know Chad has um, really uh, uh, just been on the, on, the, on the front lines of advocacy. Uh, Chad, I know you you listened in on on what Reverend Griffith said. I, I like your commentary on his commentary. I think he's he's absolutely right. Uh, for the past four years, up until maybe about six months ago, I started this bad habit. I, I started going to a cigar lounge um, after maybe a Sixers game or with some of my brothers. And one of my dear friends, Keenan Smith, he said, 
so you're looking to get lung cancer. And I said, no, what do you mean? He was like, you, you never smoked cigars before, so why are you starting now? And I think Rev is absolutely right that when you look at films like Supersize Me uh, and you look at the, the radius of how they construct supermarkets, uh, uh, lack of supermarkets, but fast food uh, in the radius areas, whether it's the Chick-fil-A, whatever the case may be, we, we are an unhealthy culture. Uh, I know several uh, colleagues who have reversed their diabetes by going vegan. Um, and then there was another film, uh, it, it escapes me right now, but it, it showed how, you know, everything from shrimp to, you know, meat and, and you know, how they, they shoot up the cows. And, and that film was very disturbing when you saw, saw all of the, the visuals of just how unhealthy it is. And, and so I think we definitely need to look at more vegetables. And there's something to be spoken to about those of us who are people of faith and the race and the longevity that we need to have in the race so that we can attempt to dismantle forms of oppression. Uh, and even if you're not committed to social justice, but you're committed to wanting to evangelize or wanting to just feed the homeless, you can't do it if you're overweight. You can't do it from an obesity perspective. You, you're not giving your heart a fighting chance. And so everything that, that Pastor just mentioned He's absolutely, absolutely right, and I don't want to underscore any of it. I think it's really us taking control of this one life that we have in this realm. Um, and so there's a lot of people that don't fundamentally understand how vegetables are great products for our body, the, our neurotransmitters, the ability to think. I notice when I eat healthy for an entire week, whether that's a, a grapefruit and some boiled eggs, water, no soda, no pizza, no buffalo wings, and things of that nature, I've had a really good week, and, and there's clarity, there's, there's strategic visioning, and then those moments where I'm eating a whole entire box of Captain Crunch berries, and I'm eating orange slices, and I'm eating a lemon pie and a jelly crimpet, and I've had a regular soda, uh, I recognize I'm kind of sluggish, and I'm kind of tired, and then I'll try to compartmentalize it by simply saying, well, I'm going to head up to the gym, and I'm going to get on the treadmill, I'm going to run a couple of laps. Um, but then after that, I'm still eating inappropriately. So I think everything he said, I, I wholeheartedly agree with. I must, I must, I must chime in here. Uh, my, my wife is is very uh, avid on on how I eat because I'm a junk food junkie. I, I, I love potato chips. I love Lay's potato chips. I, I think Lay's potato chips call my name. There are two things that I that I fight with in in the in the store. If I see them, it's spiritual warfare. It's Lay's potato chips and CVS gummy bears. <laughs> those, those those two things. And and I know they're not good for me, but the, the dynamics of life is that we oftentimes want what's not good for us. And uh, as people of color dealing with trauma, dealing with depression, um, uh, Reverend Griffith said something I thought was very insightful. He talked about prescriptions. And it made me think about how many people today have fallen into depression because of one medical emergency, you know, where their savings have been wiped out uh, because of the medical industry um, or, or one operation. Th those type of systemic things that people who are experiencing day to day. And Chad, I, I would really like for you to um, – to continue that conversation, and I want Reverend Griffith to chime in on this conversation. Uh, Chad, Chad, what are some of the things that you have seen 
systemically that you can uh, open our eyes to, to our listening audience that might not really understand what's going on to, to help precipitate this, this spirit of depression? Well, one, if you think about the Great Recession that occurred and working class people, whether it was a lot of amount of money in a 401k or a minimum amount of money, a lot of people's savings got wiped out. The great foreclosure, uh, housing foreclosure, uh, the inability if I'm a person who was unjustly incarcerated and now I'm a returning citizen and I'm trying to find a job and the doors and the gatekeeping locked me out. All of these things lead to realms of depression. Uh, mm. When you look at the mere fact that uh, playgrounds are being closed, uh, there's no mm. after-school programs, there's, yeah. no li- yeah. there's no libraries. Uh, when you think about the fact that uh, individuals are walking around with trauma on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday, you may see one of your friends get murdered, but then on Monday, the schools don't have social workers. They don't have nurses. No one is saying, let's bring the 9th, the 10th, the 11th, and the 12th grade respective classes to the auditorium to debrief about what they saw. It's just, let's teach to the test. When you look at some of the schools being school to prison uh, pipeline, fertile grounds mm-hmm. where you have to go in exactly. through metal detectors, that leads to, you know, a form of chaos. I'm reminded of Reverend King when he said from, you know, where do we go from here? From chaos to community. We're not yes, building sir. communities. We engage in platitudes, even in the black church. We say there's an African proverb that says it takes a, a village to uh, raise a child. No, it actually takes a healthy village to raise a healthy child. Our villages wow. are not healthy. Mom, dad, mm. they got laid off from work. They come home. Dad doesn't know how to cope adaptively. He maladaptively copes. Mom says to dad, you know, let's pray about it. And he, he, he gets mad at mom. He maladaptively coped by hitting mom. Son sees that. Son thinks that that's the way that you're supposed to handle your frustrations. We go to the church. Think about the church. I'm glad, uh, uh, both reverends, that we're having this conversation. Just this past Sunday at my church, trying about this church here in Philadelphia, I had to bring the mission appeal. And the first thing that I talked about was this whole aspect of how catastrophic events and destruction have no hierarchy for Christians. We could be in church and our houses, like the folk in Dayton, Ohio, could be experiencing a tornado or can experience a fire. But I also uh, uh, talked about another theme, and that theme was Christian uh, uh, authenticity, because oftentimes we engage in being inauthentic. We get up, we'll do a mission appeal, and we say, God woke you up today. You're blessed because you had a roof over your head, and you had food in your refrigerator, and you had food in your cupboard. There's no qualitative and quantitative data that speaks to that. Oftentimes, because we're not authentic, because we don't want to be judged, there are people who leave shelters, and they head to church. There are people who leave the streets, and they head to church. We're good with outreach programs. We need in-reach programs. It's always good Mm. to talk about prison ministry from a perspective of what we're doing for the people who are incarcerated returning back into the society. The in-reach prison ministry has to be for our mothers, our fathers, our grandmothers, our grandfathers, our aunts, our uncles. We have people in church who have been incarcerated. We're talking about giving food to people in and around the community. Let's give food to the people who are in church, but because we can't be authentic. When you talk about depression, Rev, you can come up to me and say, hey, Chad, how are you doing? Well, in the black church, we have our cliche. I'm, ble- I'm blessed by the blessed, best, too blessed to be stressed. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm highly favored because we're so authentic. So 
that leads us to why don't we walk in authenticity? How you doing, Chad? Man, I'm depressed. Uh, my wow. son, my son just got caught murdering someone. I just got laid off of my job when I was getting ready to make 30 years. I found out that my wife wasn't paying the mortgage, and now the house is going into foreclosure. Well, what we do in the black church, we say, God bless you, brother. Talk to you later. So we really don't want to ask a person how they're doing. What if we were so authentic with someone and say, how you doing? Uh, I got some complaints, um, but I got recommendations for those complaints, and it's the Bible. The basic instruction before leaving earth is what people have called the Bible to be from an acronym standpoint. But what we right. do is we suffer in silence. And here's my personal story, just really brief. I was married for 15 years, and around the 11th year of my marriage, my best friend, who was my brother-in-law, was a minister. He died of the same thing that uh, uh, Bernie Mac died of. He died of sarcoidosis. The following year, my only sibling, my oldest brother, died of a massive heart attack. I suffered in silence because all throughout my marriage, I was experiencing something called the language of trauma. My first year of my marriage, I came out of grad school at the University of Penn. She came out of grad school at the University of Penn. Her sister died of pancreatic cancer. We had to raise three of her sister's daughters. My fifth year of my marriage, she came down with breast cancer. You hear the word cancer, you're thinking death. So I suffered in silence because she lost her hair, everything around the breast and sexuality. And so that was a challenge. And then in the 10th year, her brother, the 11th year, my brother. So for two years, I lost myself in just being married to humanity and forgot how to be married to an individual. Now I'm a divorcee, but God is good because he's blessed me with an individual that he's put in my life who pours herself into me. And so I share this because there's no system in place that was like, hey, men can come and talk about what it means to have their significant others uh, suffer from breast cancer. So what you did was you shut down, you leave, you see the wig fall off. I have a bald head. Her head is balder than mine. So it's like, oh, man, I got I to gotta be to work at 9 o'clock, but I'm going to work at 6. I'm not talking to anybody. And then we have a, a segment of black men in the church who we maladaptively cope when we're going through separation or divorce. I didn't do this, but it's always quick to say, man, don't worry about that. Sister such and such over there, you know, she's single. How about we heal? How about we come together with a men's prayer group and we heal and we talk about, man, I've cried. I've been depressed. I've been in dark places, you know, and things of that nature. So for me, I've never suffered from depression per se, but I also challenge myself because as a therapist, I know how to compartmentalize pain of others and myself. So I've always said I'm probably going to fall apart when I turn Mm. 75 or 80 sitting on a rocking chair. And to Rev's point, I'm not going to be drinking Country Time Lemonade because I got too much sugar in it. (laughs) But, (laughs) But nonetheless, I've been uniquely qualify with these gifts that God has given me to sophisticatedly uh, and uniquely get away from my own pain. Uh, But I think that's going to catch up with me at some point. And that's why I go to therapy oftentimes, because I want to talk to somebody about what I'm going through. Doc, you, you, you are so profound and everything that you said, I 1000% consensually uh, endorse uh, you were so on it, and for the GMAP family that are listening, uh, this is just great. I mean, I was basically, with your testimony, uh, I was encouraged. I, I, re- I, re- I really was, and I like what you did. You did 
what we need to do more of in our churches. You kept it, mm-hmm. as the young folk would use this colloquialism, you kept it 100. That's why the young folk, they don't mind going to listen to Lil Wayne. That's why the young folk, they don't mind listening to Jay-Z. That's why the young folk, they don't mind listening to Plies and T.I. Because those guys keep it real. We in the church got to stop with these masks, and we got to keep it 100, and we got to keep it real. And you were able to get what, what I call transparent. You were able to get naked before this listening audience, and you were able to share your stuff, and people were blessed by that, my brother. Don't stop telling your testimony. Don't stop telling your story because people are being blessed by everything that you said. And we were talking today. We were riding, me and Dr. Walthow, we were in Lancaster, and we were on our way back to York, and we was talking to some of our colleagues down in Miami, Florida, and mm-hmm. he was telling us about uh, what it was that he shared with the brethren uh, just last night in a men's revival. And I don't want to steal too much of the thunder, <laughs> but I'm going to pass it to Pastor Walthow <laughs> so that he can share this with you. And, Brother you're going to enjoy this. I mean, it was major. We almost had to pull on the side of the road <laughs> and just get out and do a little shout. But it was major. Pastor Walthow, will you share a little bit of that, what the brother oh, was saying from Miami? Oh, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Father's Day is coming, y'all. Father's Day is coming. I know it, man. Listen, listen, everybody. This is Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthow. We have on with us tonight in the studio with us the Reverend Timothy Griffith, uh, Associate Pastor, Associate Minister of the um, Hopewell Baptist Church in uh, Pompano Beach, Florida. He is traveling, and he is here in Pennsylvania, live and in person. And we have also with us Mr. Chad Lasseter. Executive Director of the Pennsylvania the uh, uh, Pennsylvania Human Relations uh, Commission. Uh, thank you, Chad, for being so so transparent, Doc. Uh, I, I don't even have the words to even talk um, about how your testimony just now has impacted um, this 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 broadcast. Uh, we were talking today uh, by phone with some of our colleagues in in South Florida, and uh, one of my dear friends uh, had a men's conference. And uh, and the preacher came uh, and, and talked about the danger of loving strange women. Uh, and he talked about how many times we as men, we compromise our principles for personal preferences. Mm. And, and in doing that, we lose, fa- we lose focus mm-hmm. of our position, uh, of what he said, that God has called us to be thermostats and not thermometers. Yes, sir. That that somebody has to set the tone. And and it was such a rich and robust conversation because it hit home to all of us yes. as men. Um, as black men, uh, we, we, we face so many levels of trauma. Uh, um, we, we face trauma many times in our communities. We face trauma in our jobs. We, we face trauma many times in our homes. Uh, we have feelings that we don't feel like we're adequate. We feel like we're not appreciated. We feel like uh, we're just there, mm-hmm. just to be there, uh, without any appreciation or validation. And you got so many levels of depression. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation, Chad and and and, and Tim, because uh, the church has to do a better job at being transparent. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Jay Z. You mentioned Lil Wayne. How they keep it a hundred. And, and Chad, I want to thank you, Doc, for keeping it 100. For those who don't know, uh, uh, I suffered from depression for five years. I tell my testimony all the time, five years preaching in the pulpit, but depressed, angry with God, angry with people, angry with myself. 
really didn't want to preach, preach because I had to preach. Uh, preaching on fumes, had lost my faith, had lost my focus, had lost my fight, had lost my fervor. Uh, but in the midst of all that, God was faithful. And I don't know who we're talking to tonight. Whatever you might be facing in your life, the fight is not over. Yeah. The fight is not over. Uh, and you yeah. don't have to suffer in silence. Chad talked about it tonight, about uh, uh, his marriage, 15 years of suffering in silence. Uh, I'm a divorcee as well. Uh, 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 and I know what it's like to suffer in silence, to be a pastor and, and to go through the pitfalls of, of divorce and, and, and failure uh, and, and, and having to face your congregation uh, with tears in your eyes that you feel that you have failed God, failed your ministry, failed. Uh, and, and so, I, and so we, we're talking to somebody tonight that no matter what your frustrations are, no matter what your failures may be, that God can turn your period into commas. Mm. That what the devil desired to be a period, God can make that a comma and tell you that the story is not yet over. Your chapter is not yet finished. That wow. there's resurrection power on the other side of depression. Uh, listen, I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthour. This is Suffering in Silence, and we have Mr. Chad Lasseter, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission, and uh, Reverend Timothy uh, Griffith, Associate Pastor of the uh, Hopewell Baptist Church in Pompano Beach, Florida. I just received word from our Executive Director that we're going to go on tonight to 8.30. Normally, we would close out at uh, 9 o'clock, but this conversation is going so well that we have some extra time. Chad, if you can stay with us an extra 30 minutes, we'd love to have you. Yeah, I can, Doc. And I wanted to share with both of you all that a brother that needs to hear a word is on the line, and he's just been texting me back saying amen and how this is edifying his soul, Brother Randy Barnes. And I've asked the brother to unmute. He was the brother that a few minutes ago, maybe about 30 minutes ago, you said Randy Barnes, but I think we've been having tech, tech uh, challenges, you know, throughout the night. But uh, yes. I think I think this brother needs to, to, to chime in and hear a lot of what we're saying because he's been suffering in silence uh, for a couple of months, and I don't want to steal his narrative, but Brother Randy Barnes, oh, wow. are you there? Randy, are yes. you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Hey, man. Welcome to Suffering in Silence, Doc. I'm, I'm, I'm Pastor Walthour. I got here in the studio with me uh, Pastor Griffin. Say hello, Pastor Griffin. Hey, how you doing, Doc? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you, brother. Hey, man, thank you for calling in and sharing your story with us and just uh, letting the listening audience know that there is hope after depression, man. Uh, We want to hear from you, Doc. Uh, The mic is yours. Um, Thank thank you. Thank you, brothers. Um, This has been very tremendous. Um, This has encouraged me and helped me all at the same time. Uh, This type of conversation really uh brothers like myself and other brothers that are suffering in silence with depression we really need to hear this before we reach this point um it's great that you are all men of faith as myself and and thank you chad for sharing that narrative the the real point is where do we go from here what do we do now and uh chad has been a very close personal friend of mine for over 20 years and He's kind of known what I've been going through, but um, to help keep it even as more real, something that you don't know, Chad, <laughs> three weeks ago, 
I, I too was at a, a cigar lounge, um, having some personal issues. I couldn't finish my cigar. I couldn't finish. I couldn't finish the cocktail I had to smoke my cigar with. I ran out three Fridays ago. I ran out of the cigar shop. A classmate of mine was concerned about me. I came home. I sat on my bed with a pump shotgun with buckshot in it and put it to my heart. Three weeks ago, three Fridays ago. That's real depression. That's, That's how close. That's how close Satan had me. With tears in my eyes, I sat on the edge of my bed three weeks ago and seconds away from not having this conversation. My God. And I feel just like you brothers that there's there's no hope when you're a strong black man and a leader in your community, in your job, in your family. There's no one to turn to. We you're Superman and for everybody else, but when the kryptonite hits you, there's nowhere to turn and you suffer in silence. You cry in the dark. Thoughts run through your head. Who do you talk to about this that's not going to put you in a straitjacket? It's been a blessing to hear this. It's not over. Randy, you don't know how you have impacted um, people's lives with with your testimony. I'm I'm sitting here speechless. Reverend, Reverend Griffith is looking at me speechless. Uh, both of us sitting here almost, we got tears coming down our eyes, man, to hear your story. I, I can only imagine how Chad, who who knew much, but uh, didn't know that. This is his first time here and that, so I can only imagine how stunned he might be. Doc, I, I want to thank you for sharing and 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 speaking life, because you may have saved a life tonight, because somebody else listening to your voice may have been where you are. Um, whenever we have these kind of conversations, I always try to go to the word and, and, and I want to, the Lord dropped me, the Lord dropped this in my spirit. And maybe this is for you, Randy. I, I know, I know it blessed me. Many times we don't think Jesus dealt with the, the burden of, of depression. In, in the gospel of St. John, uh, the Bible says in chapter 6, verses 66 through 69, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the 12, will you also leave me? And Simon mm. said unto him, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I want to drop these three these three words in your spirit, man, that Jesus felt. He felt he experienced the pain of abandonment. Mm. He experienced the pain of annihilation. Mm. But he also experienced the power of affirmation. Wow. Mm. And I want you to understand tonight, Don, that no matter how abandoned you might feel, no matter how annihilated you might feel, always affirm who you are in Christ. Yeah. Never let the enemy make you second guess who you are. Doc, man, I'm about I'm about to shed some tears. I thank God yes. that you didn't pull that trigger. Yes. 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 
yes, yes. Uh, brother, mm-hmm. you you are you are what the Bible talks about when the Bible says you are more than a conqueror. You are that more than a conqueror to be able to uh, 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 come from that situation where the enemy thought he had you. I mean, he thought he had you in the headlock, had you down for the count. They were counting one, hitting the mat, counting two. And at the count of three, you was able to lift your shoulder up. And because you were able to lift your shoulder up, millions and millions of people will be blessed because you're not only telling that story and you're going to tell that story to the GMAP family tonight, you're going to tell that story for the rest of your life. Because watch this, people are being blessed right now all over 2,000 years later of the story of Job because of what Job went through. And Job got double for his trouble and all that he went through. But Mr. Barnes, people are going to be blessed by the story that you told tonight. And you keep telling it. You keep telling it. Like I told you, you just keep telling it because that is real. That is what people need. People need that level of transparency. People need that level of openness. People need that level of nakedness to know that. Watch this. I can live my best dreams. I can ignite my passions and I can live my best life. Yes, sir. That's what you can do. And I thank you for sharing that with me, man. I thank you for sharing that because I I may have not been at that point, but I've had my loader bars in my life. Yes, sir, man. And if you can come from that point, you have shown Minister Griffith that I can make it from my point. Thank you, man. God bless you and everything that you touch. I pray that God allows it to be blessed from this day forward, from this broadcast Mm -hmm. forward. You should always live under an open heaven. Doc, we see tonight why we had so much technical difficulty. The enemy didn't want you to share that testimony. That's right. The enemy did not want you to share that testimony. Chad, I want you to chime in. Randy, are you still there? Uh, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, God, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you, I'm you, just trying to, I'm trying to get, get my composure, man. I'm, uh, I got snot coming out my nose because I met Randy in 1990 uh, when we went to Johnson C. Smith University. And he's my best friend. Wow. And when I was uh, in college in 1990, I was like the Dwayne Wayne uh, from a different world on campus. And I, uh, a light moment here, not that we need one, uh, but I I was a freshman and all of the uh, upperclassmen girls, they liked me because I was a stylish dude. And and a lot of the guys (laughs) on campus I would date an AKA and her boyfriend might've been a, 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 a Omega sci-fi and these guys wanted to beat me up and I was much thinner. I, I, I would remind you of how Jimmy Walker looked on good times. Um, and no, Randy would all, no, yeah, I was. And Randy would wow. always, Randy oh, would no. always, <laughs> Randy would always take up for me and make sure that nobody bothered me. Um, but our friendship has always been true and real uh, fragility, uh, low self-esteem, high self-esteem. Uh, you know, we used to have go go back and forth on the concrete in Charlotte, North Carolina, playing basketball. Both of us have passions for politics. We used to always talk about so many things. And so um, I thank God for this broadcast, but I also thank God for my significant other that God has put in my life right now because I had to put the phone on mute 
as I just cried uncontrollably because I didn't know that Randy, you was going through this. And, you know, I know that you are strong brother used to, you know, play football, but you know, I think that this is the breakthrough. I think this is the breakthrough for all of us that you're absolutely right. Reverend Griffin, like, you know, the phone, the technology, whatever the case may be, the seen and unseen didn't want us to have this. And so for anybody that's listening for not anybody, everybody that's listening, you know, one of the breakthroughs is to one, be real with yourself. Uh, but, it, but it's hard to have a, a moment of self introspection because people will judge you. Um, but beyond people judging you, you know, he who is free is free indeed. And so, you know, I just told Randy, even before this, this, this broadcast that I didn't even know he was going to be on. I said, yo, I'm going to find some time and I'm going to come down to DC and just fellowship with you because this brother and I, we met, um, and you might want to tell the story, Randy, how, how we met really briefly. Chad, how did I meet you? <laughs> your, your grandfather had died and you was in the hallway um, crying. And I came and said, what you crying for? And he was like, leave me alone. And I was like, man, you a football player? You too big to be crying. He was like, yo, you from D.C.? So he was like, leave me alone, shorty. And I was like, I'm not going to leave you alone. And I sat right next to you and I said, what's going on? And you had remarked that your grandfather died. And then I had articulated to you, I said, well, when are we going home? You know, uh, when are we leaving to go home to his funeral? And I, I didn't even know you. Wow. Yep, yep. You came when my grandfather died. Yep. Wow. Sure my God. Randy, man, Doc, I, I thank God for you. Chad, this, uh, Timothy, uh, this was divine, divinely appointed. Um, uh, out of all the conversations, Reverend Griffith could be here. He just happened to be in York, Pennsylvania for such a time as this. And this has just been such a robust conversation. Uh, Randy, I, I'd like for you to share a little bit more, man. I know the, the, the those who are listening would like to hear more of what you have to say, man. We want to give you some more time to share your heart, share your story um, as, 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 as you see fit. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I guess, a average guy, but dealing with, this depression has been the hardest battle I've ever had in my life. And uh it's hard to look down the it's hard to look down at a barrel of a gun and see yourself on the other side pulling the trigger on yourself. And yes, I've made it past that. But every day is hard. Yeah. Not that hard. Not that hard. I'm not at that point for sure. God has delivered me from that. But every day, it isn't easy. Every day is a struggle. Every day, each moment is just make it to the next. Yeah. You know, I'm a working class man, so it's, you know, routine. Get up, go to work, come home, take care of my dogs. So, this depression is hard, and and and, and it even now it, it, it's even hard to talk about it in such an open form, because uh, you know, as as men, we we internalize everything. 
exactly. when we're hurt, we're, we're not appreciated, or whatever we're feeling. We internalize it, and we try to deal with it ourselves. We try to handle it. Um, for those people who have ever played any sport at any level, we're taught to suck it up. That's right. But at some point, you can't suck it up no more. At some point, it, it all is going to come out. It has to come out of you. And and unfortunately, as black men, it, um, it doesn't always come out in the most positive way. Randy, you, you touched on so many things, and I'm so glad. Uh, my bout with depression and the book that I wrote, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure we get a copy. Once we get off the air, I'm going to get your address, and I'm going to give you – I'm going to send you an autographed copy um, of, of the book Suffering in Silence, The Journey to Overcoming Pulpit Depression. I'm going to send you a personalized copy and, and uh, have it autographed. Uh, and hopefully our paths will cross. And I'll be able to meet you someday. But the thing that you're doing now is what we must do to overcome depression. The Amen. thing that we're doing now, um, that we're doing is, is talking about it. So many times we suffer in silence. And the longer we remain silent, the more control we give depression over our lives. One thing that I learned about depression, the book of Isaiah, chapter number 61, verse 3, God says, I'm going to give you the spirit, I'm going to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And the word heaviness in the uh, Old Testament Hebrew is interpreted depression. So depression is not a symptom, it's a spirit. Yes. That whenever we are battling depression, we are, we are under a spiritual attack. We're literally in spiritual warfare. And I just want to speak the, the seven chapters of the book in your life. Yes. Chapter number one, God wants you to have a new beginning. Yes. Chapter number two, God wants to take you through valleys and crossroads. Yes. Chapter number three, God wants you to understand the conflict of your suffering. Yes. Chapter number four, God wants you to understand a misguided faith. Mm as it relates to socioeconomics. Chapter number five, God wants you to understand that we have to endure the process. Mm. Chapter number six, God wants you to understand that there's a next season for your life. Yes, sir. And chapter number seven, God wants you to understand that there's, a, there's the other side of depression, that depression is not an ending. It's a beginning of a new beginning. Depression, God will use, trust me when I say this, God will use what the enemy desire to take you out, and God will use that to take you up. And so I, I thank God for you. Uh, uh, Chad, I, I want you to chime in. Tim, I want you to chime in. I don't, I don't want to yeah, monopolize no. this. But no, God, no, you no. You're blessing I, me tonight, man. Randy, yeah, you no. are blessing me tonight. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the great thing about when we're going through forms of depression or when we're withdrawn, uh, we uh, lack of appetite, lack of engagement and activities that we're accustomed to, that God also puts people in our, in our path. And those people are counselors, social workers, uh, psychologists, uh, people who they have the gift of knowing how to help people heal. You know, 
when we look at social work, it's it's a discipline. It, it, it's rooted in the Judeo-Christian experience of the Good Samaritan. You know, when when Christ uh, right. and the disciples were were talking, and you know, uh, they he said, "When you've done it for the, the the least of these, you've done it for me." You know, when were you in prison? When were you naked? When 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 were you unclothed? And I think one of the amazing things about you know seeking counseling when you look at industrial social workers. Every industrial uh, organization has a social worker. They call them SAP. You know, you, you go and you speak to somebody, I mean, EAP, excuse me, Employee Assistant Programs. And sometimes it could just be regular things, right? It doesn't have to be as magnitude of some of the stuff we're talking about. But, you know, some people might want to have a conversation with a EAP counselor because it's a dynamic of the world conversion on you. you. You you're working every single day, work life balance. You you have two children in private school, and so you know how are you going to deal with that? And sometimes it could just be you know loss, you know uh, anniversaries. When you think about loved ones who died and uh, anniversaries coming up, uh, someone has a miscarriage, uh, things of that nature. So I think one of the great things is the the mere fact that we do have counselors, and even though it might sound like a, a platitude. We don't have to suffer in silence. And so I think one of the things we also need to create in the body of believers, black men of faith in black churches, is to set up milieus where our men's ministry can have an open past the mic, what you're going through. Because one of the things yeah. that we typically do is we maladaptively cope by simply saying, well, you know what, I'm going to drink something. I'm going to engage in sexual behavior. I'm going to gamble. Uh, and then back to what, what, what Rev said about the food. You know, there's an aspect of food that can be utilized for comfort. You know, uh, there were times where I might have been going through something and I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab a mixing bowl and I'm going to put a whole bunch of Captain Crunch berries in here and I'm going to eat that mixing bowl or I'm going to eat a whole thing of Breyers ice cream, preferably, you know, butter pecan. And there's other ways that we can we can get beyond that. We can go to the scriptures. We can have men's fellowship, men's groups. And the other thing, too, when you think about women, right? Um, a lot of women, not generalizing the stereotyping, but when they go through a divorce, they get into a sister circle. You know, they get into, you know, uh, going on vacation with their girlfriends uh, and things of that nature. We we continue to maladaptively cope. Don't worry about that, Randy. Let's go strip club, man. Don't worry. Don't worry about that, wow. Randy. You know what I'm saying? I got I got a, a sister on speed dial for you. And, and and even even for Christian men, we do that. You know, and I think one of the things that we have to do is what we're doing now fellowshipping. So when I was going through my wilderness experience, I didn't maladaptively cope with drugs and other women. I did what the psalmist did. When the psalmist said, be still and know that God was God. But there were opportunities where I felt kind of stressed because I was going to church and my church knew me to have a significant other. And now I'm in church for two years going through a separation. And then my third year, I'm in church and now I'm going through a divorce. And so one of the things I shared with Randy is you you can put the gun up to yourself as many times as you want, but you ain't in charge of your life. Your life is not your life. Your life was given to you by God. And so that's what you experienced, even though you didn't share that with me, the Holy Spirit allowed an opportunity for you to share it in this moment. But the reality is we all know that if we harm ourselves and it does go through, because God does give us permissible will and free will, that it ain't no coming back for forgiveness for that. But the pressures of what you're talking about, Randy, is real but you did seek help and it has to be an ever evolving process for, for you, but for all those who are listening into this broadcast tonight, that if you're out there suffering from silence, whether it's child sexual abuse and you brought that into adulthood, whether that's, 
you know, sexual harassment, and now, you know, you're scared to talk to anybody about it. You're in the black church, and you're the pastor's first lady, and you're wearing sunglasses because he knocked you upside your, your head prior to coming to church and preaching a sermon in the pulpit. The silence has to be broken, and these are things that, once again, we know that are occurring in our black churches and just in houses of faith in general. So, Randy, you don't need me to tell you that I love you, but you do need me to tell you that, man, I've never been more prouder than, uh, than this very moment of you Amen. And, and what you shared. And you now have an opportunity that if the Holy Spirit continues to dwell in you and you allow that to happen, you have an opportunity to liberate so many other people that are going through this and that are living in a, a moment of not being able to break through silence. I love you, my dear my brother. God. My God, for those who are listening, this is Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthar. We have on the line with us Mr. Randy Barnes, I believe, of Washington, D.C. He just shared a powerful testimony. Uh, uh, He was at the brink of of shooting himself, killing himself, exiting this life. But God, God, he's here tonight sharing his story. We have our very special guest, my friend, my brother, uh, uh, Brother Chad uh, Lassiter, who is the executive director of the uh, Pennsylvania Human Relations uh, Commission. We also have here with us uh, Reverend Timothy Griffith, uh, the associate minister, associate uh, minister of the uh, Hopewell Baptist Church in Papano Beach, Florida. He's live and in person right here with us in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, Tim, I know you want to chime in. On, on that conversation, man, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, man, I want to, I want to, I want to give Mr. Barnes uh, two things, uh, uh, Dr. Walthall, that hit my spirit uh, as as this conversation been going on, and I, I want him to write these down because because uh, I, I think it's going to be very pivotal for him moving forward. You know, when we was in college and we was in school, uh, there was a process. Uh, I used to take this course when I was at Florida State. It was called geology, which is the study of rocks. Uh, so the professor would come in and the professor would lecture all week long. But we knew Friday, something pivotal happened on Friday, and we went what we called the lab. So we went from lecture to lab. Lab was way everything that he lectured about. Now let me see, can you bring it into fruition? And two things that I want to give you, Mr. Barnes, is progress is a process. Let me say that again. Progress is a process. Mm. And in this healing moment, in this recovery moment that you are in right now, you know, a lot of people say, man, just take it day by day. No, I don't want you to take it day by day. Uh, Mr. Barnes, I want you to take it minute by minute, second by second, and then eventually you will get to those day by days. But take it second by second and minute by minute because progress is a process. And through this, my brother, you're progressing, and I know you're going to get to the next level in this thing. Uh, We're going to always be praying for you. I'm going to forever keep you on our prayer call in my prayers when I get ready to talk with the Lord. And I know that the rest of the brother is going to do the same thing too. I'm glad that I had an opportunity uh, uh, to meet you, uh, to hear your testimony. And uh, I think uh, a lot of people are going to be better by it, man. So Mr. Barnes, today is your breakthrough, man. Today is your day of moving, watch this here, uh, from pain uh, uh, to progress. Amen. What a powerful insight. Progress is a process. Doc, uh, we are just so proud of you, man. And uh, uh, as one who has fought depression um, five years that I know of, 
and um, I probably was clinically depressed before I realized I was depressed. And so I'm, I'm quite sure I was depressed a lot longer than five years, but I can pinpoint five years. What, one thing I've learned uh, in this process, Doc, and, and, and you're right uh, when you said it's not easy. Doc, I'm with you. Uh, I have to fight every day, every minute, every second, and I'm a pastor. I have to fight to not allow myself to slip back into that dark place. Depression is so easy to slip into, but it's so hard to get out. And um, and I want to I want to share this with you. I've said this time and time again that the Lord has healed me from depression, but I'm not made whole from depression. When you read the ministry of Christ, whenever Christ uh, engaged somebody uh, who, who was in need of divine intervention, he never asked them, do you want to be healed? He always asked them, do you want to be made whole? Yes, sir. I never understood the difference between healing and wholeness until the Lord brought me through depression. And I want to share this with you so you can understand your progress and your process. Anything that God healed you from can come back and attack you again. Talk, man. That's why Jesus never asked the person, do they want to be healed? We can be healed from a cold. We'll get sick again. That cold will come back. We'll, we'll get healed from some type of mal uh, a malady or sickness or ailment. It comes back. But anything, and here, here, here is the blessing, anything that God makes you whole from, no longer has power over you. You will never suffer from that again. God doesn't just want to heal you from depression. He wants to make you whole from depression. But it's a process. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my process of healing, but I'm on my way to wholeness. And so I want to thank you tonight, man, for dialing in. And I want to thank Chad for, for sharing uh, this, this platform with you to dial in, man. You, man, I wish you could see us right now, man. Me and Tim, we're doing everything we can to not sit here and be crying over, over this broadcast because, Doc, you have impacted our lives tonight. Uh, we want to thank our executive director for allowing us to go uh, half hour uh, uh, above and beyond our normal broadcast. Uh, as always, we always close in prayer. Uh, we always close with affirmation. And so I'm going to give some, some, some final thoughts to Chad, some final thoughts to Tim. We want to hear uh, from Randy. So, Randy, before Chad and Tim and myself give our final thoughts, we want to, we want to give you this opportunity to share any, any, any parting words or any final thoughts that you may have. Um, thank you. Uh, anyone who's suffering from depression, no matter what it is, no matter what it may be, reach out to brothers like this, whether it's one-on-one -on -one in some, in a forum or whether it's just one-on-one -on -one in private, because as men, we need more of this. We need to be each other's brother's keeper. We need to keep each other because we all going through something and we need each other more now than ever. Wow, right on point. Uh, Chad? Amen. I just wanted to end by simply saying that we know that the structural and the systemic and the institutional racism oftentimes can lead to uh, higher levels of stress in the workplace and communities. 
uh, the level of anxiety when someone is being pulled over uh, by the police, even if it doesn't involve, you know, the type of altercations that we've been seeing um, over the past decade, that there are ways that we can cope. And those ways are through faith. Um, I'm also a respecter of people who are people of non-faith. It's just that I'm a person of faith. I think that journaling is, is paramount. I think support groups are paramount. I think that there are constructive ways that we can deal with some of the, the anger, some of the depression, some of the aggression that we may want to display. And I think ultimately the black church has to have more forms on breaking down the stigma and the taboos around mental health. There's so much that we don't know. There's so much that we do know. And those of us who are professional, we need to be able to spearhead those efforts. I just want to say thank you for this moment. Thank you for letting me be in this space. And may God get all the glory and honor and praise out of this broadcast tonight. Amen. Uh, Tim? GMAP family, I just want to say continue to live your best life, follow your dreams, and ignite your passions. Amen. For those of you who are listening, this is Suffering and Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthar. And uh, for those who might be interested in uh, uh, the book that we have, Suffering in Silence, The Journey to Overcoming Pulpit Depression, you can reach out through Amazon. Go to Amazon, type in my name, Dr. Larry Walthar, or type in the book title. It will take you to my Amazon author page. You can uh, purchase the book online uh, through Amazon, through PDF download, as well as a hard copy. You can also go to our website, drltwm.org, www.drltwm.org. That stands for Dr. Larry T. Walthour Ministries.org. Go to the bookstore, and you can follow the uh, props there. Uh, you can order it uh, by PDF download, or you can order a hard copy through the uh, website there. You can also go to our Facebook page. Uh, Dr. Larry T. Walter Ministry, go to the blue button. Uh, it will take you to our website, the book, book, bookstore, and you can order it there. You can also go to uh, gmap1.com, uh, Broadcasting Network. Uh, go to the bookstore, scroll through the books, look for Suffering in Silence. It's a blue book with white letters, Suffering in Silence, The Journey to Overcoming Pulpit Depression, and you can order it from GMAP. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walter. This has been a very candid uh, great conversation. I want to thank uh, Chad Lasseter, the Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission. Thank you so much for lending us your voice and your time tonight. Mr. Kevin, ba Mr. Randy Barnes of Washington, D.C., thank you so much for that testimony, man. Uh, I, want to, I want to reach out to you, but please don't hang up. I want to reach out to you after this broadcast so I can get some information so we can send you a copy of the book. Uh, uh, Reverend Timothy Griffith, uh, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. And since you came so far from Florida, we're going to let you have the closing prayer. Uh, once again, for those uh, GMAP uh, One Broadcasting Network, we are the number one motivational, inspirational platform on the planet. Thank you for tuning in tonight. This is Suffering in Silence. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walthire. Uh We're going to have closing prayer by Reverend Timothy Griffith. Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you tonight for what our ears have heard. And Father God, we thank you for tonight for the wonderful testimony of this one of your favorite sons, Mr. Randy Barnes. I thank you for his life. I thank you for the words that came from his lips. And I thank you for the legacy that he would leave for his family. I thank you, Father God, for the wonderful relationship that him and Chad has, Father God. And I thank you for 
our executive producer. I thank yes. you for the whole staff here at GMAP, and I thank you for our host. I thank you for the personality of Dr. Larry Wolfow. I thank you for him right now. Continue to crown his head with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. I thank you for this broadcast, Suffering in Silence. But, Father God, I thank you for this broadcast, Suffering in Silence, that we don't have to suffer in silence because we got a Savior that'll save us. My God. And, Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Father God, I pray that as we leave this place, but never your presence, that you go with us and stay with us and give us the courage to endure all of the things that may come our way. Because, Father God, we know that you have given us the best gift that we could ever receive, and that's the gift of eternal life. We thank you for it, and we love you for it. It's in the matchless, miracle, majestic name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. You are forever our Christ, Yahshua HaMashiach. Jesus' name we pray. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you so much Amen. for tuning in tonight. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Walter. This has God been Suffering in Silence. Thank you to our executive producer, Kevin Strouder. Thank you so much for the extra time. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. GMAP One Broadcasting Network, the number one motivational, inspirational platform on the planet. Peace. I'm out. See you next week.